0: Uh, I just I just uh, been thinking a lot, you know, about uh, this Exodus series, and um, I I I got hit with Exodus 21. And so, uh, if you if you've read Exodus 21, you've been following it. It it's a, it can be a challenging it can be a challenging subject. Uh, but uh, with the Lord's uh, help, we'll get through it today. Um, reading through that, I was thinking about my about my youth when I first gave my heart to God. And, um, and just how I, I had this burning desire in my heart to be in this relationship with God. It, it just, it, it hit me hard and it, it was like, it was just beautiful because uh, in my house that we lived at in Springfield, we didn't have air conditioning, And so it would just be steaming hot during the summer. And uh, I remember just sitting in my room and sweat just pouring off of me but it was some of the best times of my life because I was just spending time with God. Spending time with God, sweat pouring off of me, and I had chills all over my arm because all over my arms because I'm spending this beautiful time with God. I remember this verse. Um, this is in Galatians chapter five, and this and this spoke to me so much because it helped me understand just a. Uh, a little bit about the character of the Spirit. And so uh, the character of the Spirit is this but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, has, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And so, this past week, man, I had, I had, I've just had so much nostalgia of, of that first moment. Because that first moment is so beautiful. And so, I've just been, I've been praying I've been praying for our youth and for our church because I've been seeing this vision of of us walking with God and Him holding our hands. Almost as if you've heard that story of of the the footprints on the beach and it's like God walking with us. In many ways, um, I've just just seen that image constantly in my head of how we can walk in a true relationship with God. Almost like that... uh, those, those bubbly feelings when you first like someone and you call them on the phone and you stay up late at night talking to that person and there's just this great desire to be in a relationship with that person. There's this good feeling in your heart and you don't want to leave that person. You guys just want to continue to talk to each other. Um, over time, sometimes that stuff can wear down. The bubbly feelings aren't there. But you can always go back and you can reminisce about that first time that you had that feeling and you had that experience. And, you know, I believe that God wants to share that. He wants to share that with us. He wants to share that with us through the entirety of our life. I believe that there are some of us in here today that feel comfortable with that, and you still do have some of those bubbly feelings, and you still are holding your hand with God's. And you know what? I'm happy for you. And I'm thankful, too, because that's a beautiful relationship that a lot of people miss out on. And then I believe that there's some of us in here who possibly may be wanting that, may be desiring that again just to hold the hand of God and walk in that beautiful relationship with God. And so I'm thankful if you're able to see that. If you're able to see that there's a need and and a desire to walk in a relationship with God. Thinking back on that verse, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, I know that sometimes we can fail in this area. Um, I remember one instance uh, when I was about 19 years old. I was going to school full-time, and I was working a third shift at Walmart. Yeah, I worked at Wally World, had the vest and everything. It was dope. <laughs> little son, right there. Pushed carts for a little bit, too. I was a beast with the, uh, with the remote. Um, yeah, so, so I'm working third shift, very tired. And uh, I remember we were in the break room, and I worked there with my brother and a few other guys. And we were 19, and we were just like kind of crazy. We used to bring the Nintendo 64 in the break room, and we used to play, and we used to laugh and smack tables. And uh, these other ladies that worked there at Walmart did not like it. They're like, these dudes are crazy. I mean, we just did not connect. I mean, culturally, we were just way younger than them. And so what what was a peaceful time for them probably at some point became this rowdy spot where you had all these young teenagers and they're playing video games. And so um, I, I worked with these ladies a year, worked with them a year. And I tell you what, their attitudes were not good. We did not get along. And so I had to put up with them. And, and so <laughs> I had to put up with them. Yeah. Now you guys, this, this how teenagers think. So <laughs> yeah, I had to put up with them for a whole year. And so, um, I'm trying as me as a new believer in Christ, these words are speaking to me and I'm saying, how, how can I be in love How can I be uh, uh, patient and kind to these people? And so, um, (laughs) so one day we were sitting out in the break room and they were talking about a blackout that had happened in the store. Me going to school full time. I was like, I know for a fact that I was not at that blackout. And they said that some some young kids were running around during the blackout and they weren't putting the groceries on the ice and trying to save and preserve groceries. And they said, you were a part of it. And I said, I'm telling you what, I was not a part of it. I was probably at school or doing something else. They was like, yes, you were there. I was like, look, do not tell any lies on me. I was not there. And they said, yes, you were there. I said, look, I'm a good Christian dude. I'm not going to lie to you. I was not there. I was like, are you calling me a liar? She was like, well, you're a liar then. (laughs) I was like, that's what makes me mad. That's what makes me mad. So I took a chair and I picked it up and I threw it across the room. I flipped the table and I got up in her face. I said, say it again. I said, call me a liar again. Call me a liar again. And I had both my fists balled up and I was all up in her face. I said, call me a liar again. And she didn't say anything. <laughs> See, I I thought I was doing the work of Christ, you know, already, I already already flipped the tables. All I needed was a whip. <laughs> you now I would have got him in check. No, nah, I I wasn't, I wasn't gonna do that to him, but um I at that moment, I was, just, I was just caught up and I was so frustrated and I was so angry. How could this lady call me a liar? And I knew for a fact I wasn't there and I wasn't doing anything like that. I had never been in a blackout in the store. Um, and you know, I, I got up and I walked out of that room and, and I just, I felt so bad in my heart because I felt like I had failed at this scripture. And there's other scriptures that I read like you are the salt of the earth. And and if the salt has lost its savor, what is it good for but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men? So I'm always constantly thinking about um, uh, um, that reputation. Always constantly thinking about that reputation. I was really hard on myself. But Jesus taught me something on that day. He taught me something on that day. And we're going to get back to that. Um, uh, But, you know... Sometimes when we, when we fail at this and we have these shortcomings, I believe that God is trying to teach us something out of it. He's trying to teach us a lesson out of it. And, um, and, and God is graceful, and, and so we're, we're going to learn about that. Um, anyways, uh, like I said, uh, uh, Exodus 21 is a, is a little challenging, uh, but uh, we're going we're gonna to read through it, and I know that God has something good for us out of this. So last week, Pastor Joey, uh, he covered the law of the Ten Commandments and their significance for our lives and how they work as a border to keep us within the reasonable, uh, I guess, appropriate awareness to our behavior. And so uh, this week, we're going to go over uh, the beginning of a list of ordinances. So we had our 10 commandments in 20. And then these are a list of ordinances that happened like 21, 22, and 23 that came after. And so uh, we're going to go over the beginning list of this. So... um, uh, so I guess I guess we can start right here. Um if we could pull up the Exodus 21. Okay. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and read um Okay, here we go. These are the laws you are you are set that are Excuse me, I'm having a hard time reading this. Is it okay? I'm going to go ahead and read from here. (laughs) These are the laws you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve for six years. But in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife when he comes, she is to go with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her masters, and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares, I love my master and my wife and my children, and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judges." He shall take him to the door or the doorpost and pierce his ear with an awl. Then he will be his servant for life. If a man sells his daughter as a servant, she is not to go free as manservants do. If she does not please the master who has selected her for himself, he must let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has broken faith with her. If he selects her for his son, he must grant her the right of a daughter. If he marries another woman, he must not deprive the one of her food, First, the first one of her food, clothing, and material, marital rights. If he does not provide her with these three things, she is to go free without any payment of money. Anyone who strikes a man and kills him shall surely be put to death. However, if he does not do it intentionally, but God lets it happen, he is to flee to a place I will designate. But if a man schemes and kills another man deliberately, take him away from my altar and put him to death. Anyone who attacks his father or his mother must be put to death. Anyone who kidnaps another and either sells him or still has him when he is caught must be put to death. Anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. If men quarrel and one hits the other with a stone or with his fist and he does not die but is confined to a bed, the one who struck the blow will not be held responsible if the other gets up and walks around outside with his staff. However, he must pay the injured man for the loss of his time and see that he is completely healed. If a man beats his male or female slave with a rod and the slave dies as a direct result, he must be punished. But he is not to be punished if the slave gets up after a day or two, since the slave is his property. If men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. If a man hits a manservant or maidservant in the eye and destroys it, he must let the servant go free to compensate for the eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of a manservant or a maidservant, he must let the servant go free to compensate for the tooth. If a bull gores a man or a woman to death, the bull must be stoned to death, and its meat must not be eaten, but the owner of the bull will not be held responsible. If, however, the bull has had the habit of goring, and the owner has been warned, but has not kept it pinned up, and it kills a man or woman, the bull must be stoned, and the owner also must be put to death. However, if payment is demanded of him, he may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. This law also applies if the bull gores a son or daughter. If the bull gores a male or female slave, the owner must pay the 30 shekels of silver, the master of the slave, and the bull must be stoned. If a man uncovers a pit or digs one and fails to uncover it, an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit must pay for the loss. He must pay its owner, and the dead animal will be his. If a man's bull injures the bull of another and it dies, they are to sell the live one and divide both the money and the dead animal equally. However, if it was known that the bull had the habit of goring, yet the owner did not keep it pinned up, the owner must pay animal for animal, and dead animal, and the dead animal will be his. All right. <laughs> Sounds like rules for rodeo. Well, what what we see here is we see a lot of rules that are helping the Israelites uh, through everyday life everyday life. And, and this is after their exodus out of Egypt. And they needed this in many ways. Um, they needed uh, to have some sort of structure uh, to, to keep them all together. And so um, it was based off of, uh, of this need or this necessity to, um, to set some rules after Jethro had uh, talked to Moses about separating uh, the, the tribes, and dividing the, the power up so that the people could be taken care of. Um, one of the things that we know is that these rules and these laws were, were based off of um, the cold, cold-hearted human needs, and they weren't based off of grace. If you could see a lot of these, uh, a lot of it had to deal with uh, punishment And and just mere justice, it had nothing to do with grace. It had nothing to uh, do with love. It was all based off of how can we um, uh, how can we survive to the next day. Uh, I saw a a reading that says uh, the distinction between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that the Old Testament laws were given to the nation of Israel as part of the covenant between God and the people of Israel. The eye for an eye seems harsh to many people, but it was actually a law of restraint. One eye for one eye, not two eyes, one arm and a foot for one eye, burn for burn, not whole villages aflame. The idea was put to the punishment into congruence with the actual offense. Vengeance would most often greatly exceed this standard. So what it was saying is that God was, was not wrong by, by doing this in the moment, but he's saying that the punishment meant the punishment at the time and that if human needs if humans were to take over this, we would do something even worse. You know, um, someone says bad words at me, I throw a chair and I throw a table. So in many ways, that's, that's kind of how we behave. And so this law was set down so, so that... Uh, people would have a law to follow and, and abide by. But I believe that God has is, God is, uh, given us a new law through the blood of Jesus Christ that is through grace and it's through love. And so we have this old law because we can look back into the past and we can see where God was leading his children out but then he was also making a way through his word in the Old Testament, through, even through prophecies, we see Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, and he's leading up to a new law, a law of grace, the law of Christ. And so I'm thankful that I found that. I'm thankful that I found that. I remember what I used to be like before I found Christ. Angry, mad, frustrated, kicking holes in walls, um, Uh thoughts that I shouldn't have. I'll take you to places you don't want to go. And when we have this, this, this new law, um, we are to to put on the new man and be renewed in our minds in Christ Jesus. See, Christ, Christ takes things to the next level. Christ does want us to abide by the law, but it's the the law of grace. The law in itself, the Ten Commandments, is holy and righteous. And it does keep us within a border or a parameter. But Jesus has this awesome thing that he does where he always gives us more. He always gives us more. This is what Jesus says in Matthew um, chapter 5, verse 38 through 48. You've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over the coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is, is perfect. Now, that perfect is not saying that you have to be exactly perfect. In many ways, it's saying that perfect love casts out fear. If you look at uh, 1 John 4:15 through 20, it, it is speaking of that. And that is the, the, the perfect love that Jesus Christ has put inside of us. And so, uh, through our lives, we kind of, kind of, like I was saying, deal with these failures that we have. Um, I know this guy at work, and maybe I've shared this story with you guys, uh, a guy named uh, Trevor, a really good friend of mine. Um, now, uh, we didn't like each other, and we worked on the same line together, and um, Trevor and I, we were cracking on each other one day. I come from the inner city. Trevor comes from the country. So... Trevor's the kind of guy that's gonna put mud tires on his car, and I'm the type of guy that's gonna put rims on mine. So, so Trevor's always taking jabs at me and and saying, you know, Trevor's like, yeah, well, well, you guys always got like 10 cop cars at you all guys' football games. And I'm like, well, yeah, Trevor, well, you ran to catch a pass and you hit a scarecrow in the middle of the field. And then Trevor yells inside insult back at me, like, oh, yeah, you probably got 47-inch rims on your car, don't you? And then I yell an a, a insult back at Trevor, and I'm like, yeah, well, you probably pulled a muscle in your thumb milking a cow. And then, <laughs> the tre- <laughs> so we're going back and forth. I'm yelling insults at Trevor. Trevor's yelling insults back at me. And then it gets kind of heated, <laughs> and everybody in between is just dying, laughing, <laughs> And, but I could tell Trevor's getting really mad and I was getting really mad too. And so I just stopped. I just got quiet because the Lord just put it on my heart, um, a soft answer turns away wrath, but, uh, grievous answers, stirs up wrath. Um, I probably didn't say that right. Don't, don't quote me on it. He put it on my heart though. So I stopped, I stopped talking. I stopped talking. Trevor's like, what, you don't got anything else to say? And I said, dude, I, I'd rather be quiet than lose a friend. I said, I'd rather be quiet than lose a friend. So Trevor, Trevor his face kind of turned kind of weird. And he kind of walked back over to his spot because he's probably not used to that. And um, his whole demeanor changed the next day. It was kind of weird. And he started doing things to just kind of help me out. And so Trevor and I, we just began to build this relationship we began to build this relationship. and We began to get really close, and um, it came to the time that they had to lay some people off, and I got laid off. And um, Trevor was like, "Man, he's like Ron. He's like, he's like, uh, I didn't tell you this, man, but um, he's like, dude, you're you're the, flat, you're the first black dude I've ever I've ever liked." Yeah. And which I understood because, and he told he told me he was like, "Man, just where I grew up at and my family and all that stuff and my, my dad, you know, put me through." He was like, man, you're the the first dude. And I could tell you what, it had had way more to do than just color. It was the spirit of God. It was the spirit of God. I could have been any color. But he was attracted to that spirit. He was attracted to that spirit. And so I I know that God wants to work within this community. He wants to work within each one of us. And we have all these small little opportunities with these people who we get to spend everyday life with. And it's, it's this beautiful spirit that's on the inside of us. That first scripture, love, joy, peace, happiness, and kindness that we get to share with other people. People are attracted to that. They are drawn to it. And a lot of times they don't get it. They don't get it so they're looking for someone else to give it to them. And a lot of times we have that pleasure of sharing that with them. So I want us to, um, yeah, just think about that, embracing those opportunities. Um, I know that this is found through uh, an intimate walk with God, holding his hand. I don't believe it's work. Uh, I've just found this beauty of just... Being in an intimate relationship with God, uh, I know, I know, I know where I came from, and I know where I know that uh, I know that God's on a journey. You know, He's still working on me. I'm not I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form, and none of us can be. Um, but just having this intimate relationship with God allows for that to happen. Um, our desires begin to change, and so um, Christ wants to fulfill. The, the righteousness of the law within us. If you look at Romans uh, 8, one through four, um, and, and uh, we could take, take a look at that really quick. Um, mm, 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 mm. Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful man to be sin offering. And so he condemned sin and sinful man. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So, in order that the righteousness of the requirements of the law might be fully met inside of us. So, the law is not a bad thing, it is righteous. But there's a different way that God's going about it. It's not necessarily saying me read the law or me do the law, but it's walking in an intimate relationship with God and he putting it inside of our heart. It's one of grace. It's not one of, you destroy my cow, now you pay me back. It means that my brother can offend me, Gary can offend me, and I'll be patient with him, and I'll love him. Um, It means, and I know that Gary would do the same for me too. Gary would do the same for me too. He has to put up with me every Sunday anyway, so. This law of grace is more powerful than the law because the law is weak when our flesh tries to do it. The law of grace is when we are quickened by the Holy Spirit and He allows us for us to do more than our fleshly body could ever do. It's not striving. This is beautiful love, that giddy feeling that we had when we first entered into a relationship, and then this natural peace comes out of it. So, I'm short. I don't go very long. Um, I want to make sure you guys get out to Ponderosa and get some of those little chicken legs. (laughs) Guys, make that salad bar and get some of that banana pudding. <laughs> he said preach it. <laughs> God, God is, is is so graceful and he has so much love for us. There there's there's no perfection that he could ever warrant or want from us. And so um I just I just, I want I want Nadine to come up and I and I want her uh her and Carissa, they can come up and just sing, sing a few verses for us um, of that song, You Know Me. Because I believe that God does know us, and he does want to be in an intimate relationship with us. And if you haven't received Jesus Christ into your heart, then I believe that he does want to be in a relationship with you. Um, if it's been a while, um, or you're going through a dry season or a dry spell, I believe that God does want to rekindle that relationship with you. I believe He does want to walk with you. I do believe that He wants to hold your hand because at the end of the day, He wants those beautiful gifts. He wants love, joy, peace, kindness, patience in your life. Not only does He want us to give to other people, but He also wants other people to give it to us. And so, um, uh, if we all could just stand, And um, this is verse in Psalms 51, 9 through 13. I just want us to bow our head and close our eyes. Psalms 51,
1: 9
0: through 13 says, Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Mm-hmm. Hmm. If there's anyone here this morning. You have your you have your own personal relationship with God. And if you don't know him yet, you will. This is your time with Him. No matter what words I spoke today, I don't think they really even matter. God plants the seeds. So if, if if you're desiring a deeper relationship with God this morning, I just want you to slip your hand up right now, if you could. I see those hands. Yes, you see them. You see them. Yes. Feel like you're you're going through a dry season, and you just want to you want to f- feel the palm of God just holding your hand, and you want to be in that close, intimate relationship with Him again. I just want you to I just want you to slip your hand up. your Father. You are so good, Lord. We love these attributes of you, Father, because you give them to us. You give them to us. You're so patient and you're so kind. Father, many of us in here t- this morning have uh, just asked to be in a deeper relationship with you, Father. We want to take things deeper, Lord. Father, for those who raise their hand, that do not know you, Lord, we pray that you'll speak to their heart in a deeper way, Father. A greater confirmation, Lord, of uh, uh, of your love for them. Father, for those who raise their hand and feel like they're going through a dry spell, Lord, you know exactly what they're going through, Lord. You love them. You created them. You knew who they were while they were in the womb, Father. You knew. You know what they're going through now. You know the pain that they've been through. You know their worries that are in their heart. Lord, we pray that you'll cover them right now, Lord, that they will feel an embrace from you. Amen, amen. We'll just sing and we'll just continue to worship. Um, We'll worship uh, through the Lord you know us. and uh, If the Lord is calling you to respond, if we just have some people up in the front that could just pray and... uh, we'd love to pray with you if you're making a deeper commitment with Christ or if you just want prayer over that dry spell. So yeah, we're just going to continue to worship and let's just keep our hearts in a posture of worship.
1: from your side.
0: spoke to us today. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will just continue to be with us, go with us uh, through the rest of this week, Father. Um, Continue to bless, continue to speak to us. And we would thank you for that. In the name of your son, Jesus, we all prayed and we all said, amen.